Hello, 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 everyone. I am so super excited, not only because it's a week of everybody's favorite show. TV channeling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, at least it's our favorite, the two of us. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we also have a special guest today. I, I am super, super excited. Whenever we get like celebs, this is this is a big thing. So I'm really, really happy to introduce our guest today. And you know what? I know, I think I know how to say your last name. First of all, hi, Kevin. Anyway, so. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I, you know what? You're treating me like family, like crap. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have company, so let's try and keep it together. Yeah, we're, we're going to try. Well, I need to tell you that because you know how you get when we get when we have company. So today we have a very special guest. He is a producer. He is a director. He is a filmmaker. He is a social media person. He is everything. Today we have all the way from Los Angeles, California, Troy DeVold. Did I say your name right? Your last name right? You, you did. We'll, we'll mail you the cookie. Yay! Yay! I'm waiting for <laughs> Yay. Good job. Yay! Congrats, Tachi. <laughs> I will be waiting for the cookie, too. So. There you go. <laughs> so we're just going to interview Troy a little bit because the thing is, he is, uh, one of his areas of expertise besides documentary is reality television. And you know that reality television is all the rage these days and actually has been for the past 10 to 15 years. Wouldn't you say, Troy? Well, I'd say it started in 1948, but it's been good the last 15. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, if you if you want to take it there, you're absolutely right. We're talking about um, uh, having reality, even from the first uh, the first uh, film that not the Lumiere brothers. I can't remember who did it, but where it was he was just filming people going back and forth and in and out of a building in uh, the early uh, 30s. That's kind of reality, right? Okay, wait a minute, Tachi. Before you get like super fancy, okay, <laughs> and remind us all that you're a professor, I need to let the audience know. Listen, you don't. You can put your monocles down because we're going to be doing our top five reality shows of all time, and we have a reality show producer on the show helping us count but, it down. So we're. But I have all this material about the about the silent film Cuban warships docking at harbor. Well, See? we need to. Well, that'll all come in later in the show. But I need people to keep listening to actually get to hear that. So basically, people had the, they can put their monocles down. Tachi's right. dissertation will will be uh, interspersed amongst us talking about some of the trashiest, wildest, craziest reality shows of all See, time. We were Sweet. right on the road to having a nice PBS NPR moment, and then you had to spoil it with VH1. <laughs> Oh, you know what? We can never be ratchet free here on TV channel. Yeah, that's impossible. So you know what, Kevin, uh, how about would you like to start off the line of questioning that we have for our dear friend today? Okay, well, um, I guess I will because I need to take it down a little bit from NPR just for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Because we need to talk a little bit about this man's just the IMDb. The IMDb page is 
all kinds of insanity. Um, you should be very, very proud. It is amazing. It just keeps going and going. The scrolling never stops all the different shows you've been involved in. So just to give people a few ideas. Um, Basketball Wives. Dancing with the Stars. Also, uh, uh, oh, Basketball Wives LA. So just Basketball Wives, period. Uh, The Bachelor. That's amazing. Uh, Shows like Queen Bee's black gold anyway there's just a ton of different things you've been involved in and one of my personal favorites the surreal life when i saw when i saw that i was like what because you know move (laughs) over celebrity big brother it was done and done better long ago so i don't know if you i don't know if you can contact your legal team because you need to Well, you know, Kevin, the, the great thing about my career is that I'm I, I'm a fantastic number two. It's always someone else's brilliant idea, and then I come in and either help produce or co-EP with a team. I like to spread the credit around. It ain't me. Wow. Well, you know what? I need to bend your ear. Um, I maybe I was going to do it later in the show, but since you just said that, it's just like you've opened the door for me. Now, oh, one of my favorite reality shows of all time that I didn't add onto my list only because there's no way for anybody to see it. So I thought I'm not going to waste a slot with a show that nobody can ever see because I, I have been looking for it. It was on Bravo uh, circa 2004 and it was called Things I Hate About You. Oh, sure. And do you remember the show? I do. It's Boy, that's one from the I bottom, bottom of the freezer. I, oh, my love goes far and it goes deep. And the show was actually delightful. So I thought, like, if anybody might be able to get that show resurrected, it might be someone like you. So for those of you who have never heard of the show, it was really, it was really, I thought, a pretty interesting idea for a show. What they did was they found different couples um, who just happened to be telegenic more often than not. What if that was, I don't know how that happened. That was an accident, I guess. But anyway, um, (laughs) they would find these couples and the couples would list grievances against their partner they were delightful grievances it wasn't like you know super ratchet things like you've been sleeping with my brother wasn't that it was like you snore and you won't do anything about it kind of things you won't let me get a cat Uh, you hate animals those kinds it was adorable grievances you drink too much coffee and you're always wired and can't sleep why won't you drink decaf so it was neat and they and they would have video evidence so each one kind of be pre uh uh putting forward a case against the uh basically that i'm the more put upon partner my partner is more annoying than me to a jury of uh three uh you know tv personalities and then the a winner would be named vote they'd vote and they'd decide uh they decide points to annoyingness and basically the person who got the the least amount of points would be the winner and then they would get a prize and normally the prize would kind of coincide with something that they're par- about their partner so if you're your one of your things about your partner was that they hate animals and won't let you get a pet if you uh were deemed to be the less annoying partner uh they show the end the last shot of the show would be you at the pet store with your partner going like I'm getting a puppy <laughs> So it was the best. So I would yeah. love to see that come back. Yeah, well, Bravo in the early 2000s. It's so interesting. Um, I'm old enough to remember back when they were just, you know, performing arts and independent film. And then they had this crazy makeover and started doing uh, the, these reality programs. But boy, that's that. there's a period net from like the, the late 90s through about 2005, 2006 where Bravo just really completely reinvented themselves and were kind of go for broke on, on, on the reality side. 
Uh, yeah, but, but so yeah, that's, a good, were, that's a good memory. Well, there's there's people. A lot of people don't uh, understand. There was a time when you could watch Bravo and not see anybody throw champagne in anybody's face. Yeah, it's shocking, but it was true. It was so almost NPR, uh, PBS ish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Troy, I have a question. Actually, yes. I want you to go back through your history. How did you get started in producing, directing, and uh, so take us a little bit through of how you got started in the industry. Well, a long time ago, in 1990, I dropped out of art school uh, and went home for Christmas and ended up uh, producing a bunch of television commercials with some friends that I used to go to high school with. Uh, We did promotions for Woody Woodpecker's 50th anniversary for Universal. And I thought, oh, writing sounds fun. So I thought, well, you know, I'll be a screenwriter. And we did some local stuff. We did a show called Billy's Bogus Bee Movies that ran on a WB affiliate uh, that was pretty much like Mystery Science Theater. Before oh, there was wow. Mystery Science Theater, it's a bunch of people in a bar complaining about what's on television, um, and it had a lot of fun with it, but it didn't really go anywhere. And uh, I moved out to California in 2000 after having been through film school and all that other good stuff. And I thought I'm going to move to California and take a shot at being a screenwriter. I was almost 30, and as I was driving across the country, I stopped in the scariest hotel you've ever seen in your life, right off of I-10 in Texas. It was like a cinder block box that a guy handed me a room key through a mail slot (laughs) wow Um, yeah it was nice uh and i watched (laughs) i saw a show called fear uh that ran on mtv in 2000 and the Mm. only person i knew in los angeles i saw his name go by at the end of the credits and i thought well i better call him and see you know what i can do as a day gig while i do this and he says well you know they're going to pick up more episodes of the show and by the time I got to Los Angeles, I had a job. I was a longer transcriptionist on this show supporting the story department. And because the year 2000, that was when Survivor came out and reality exploded and they didn't have enough experienced people to make the shows that were being ordered. So it was like stepping into a pneumatic tube and just, you know, by the end of the first season, I was a producer on a show that I came in as a logger transcriptionist. Wow. It was absolutely crazy. So I stayed with that company. It was the first show that a guy named Chris Abrego uh, had done. He and Rick Teos had partnered up and had a company called Brass Ring. And Chris Abrego, of course, went on, and he's now the, the co-chair of uh, Endemol Shine, uh, which is right. a, a, yeah, an, enormous, an enormous producer of content that you know, I might be going back to work for this year. Woo-hoo. So, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's been an interesting bit of forward motion with very few interruptions, uh, and it's now... I think 35 shows or projects in that span of 19 years. So it's been crazy. I'm, I'm quite grateful. Um, wow. But I went from fear onto the Osbournes uh, and, and just, you know, when the Osbournes blew up, it was pretty much a write your own ticket thing because everybody wanted to work with anybody who had breathed on that show. And wow. uh, I'm, I'm still riding it. I'm still making the stuff. Wow. Just as a quick follow up, because I know Kevin is itching to ask you um, some more questions, but just as a quick follow up. So you mentioned, you know, it's been a steady run, but I can imagine for many people, it's not so steady. So it's been good. But do you ever have this uh, this uh, tinge of fear that, OK, this show is getting ready to end? What's next? Or do you always oh, have no. something? Well, in you fight? always you always get used to that. And there have been times where, you know, there was a period a couple of years ago where I didn't work for about a period of about five months. And what happens is, is when you work on a reality show, their story departments uh, typically have anywhere from maybe two or three to up to 
I think the largest I ever worked on was Dancing with the Stars had like 10 or 12 producers uh, that are working to, to produce those field uh, segments. Um, when you get to a point where you're a co-executive producer, which is where I've been for most of the last you know six to eight years, uh, there's only one person doing that job on the show. Um, you have a handful of EPs. Many of them are ceremonial titles. They're people's managers or celebrities that have taken an EP credit. Um, but there are fewer positions that all of us that have worked our way up are now getting squeezed through that funnel into those little, those little spots where it gets harder to find something. Um, but it's never been to a point where it's been dangerous or awful for me. There are times where, you know, I've, I've certainly held my breath. You know, I, I have a philosophy that the best things always happen to you when you have $14 in checking. Uh, <laughs> but that's but that's the way my career's gone. Is it's just it's it's a matter of you know how you how you manage your money and and just generally being happy with what it is that you do. You know, I'd rather be doing this than working at a bank. I'd ra- you know I told that to a friend of mine who worked at a bank once, and he he said, "But they just promoted me to handling all the fives." So. Wow. <laughs> Wait, that's yeah. a thing? <laughs> I, I, I had to think from it. I was like, really? <laughs> I, I didn't know I'm that they charge. actually divided it up by actual bill number. Exactly. It's just a, it's a gag. It's a gag. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it's a thing where it, it, it's tough to keep things moving forward, but I do a lot to stay visible. I do a lot of things that people don't necessarily do. Um, it's helpful that you walk into an office and you see a copy of your book somewhere. And you go, oh, that's my book. <laughs> and then the conversation kind of goes from there. Um, oh, let's I, give that let's give that busy. let's give that book a quick plug. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and uh, in 2011, I was in a bookstore and I just noticed there were you know 70 books on screenwriting and no books on writing reality television. So a friend of mine, who Rick Beer, is a guy who wrote a book called The Sound Effects Bible, introduced me to his publisher, and we ended up doing reality TV, which is a book that now is in, I want to say, 52 college and university programs all over the world. Um, and it's it's still pretty much the only rundown of how story works uh, and from the perspective of how those things get told. Um, it's, it's fun until you walk in and somebody who doesn't like you goes, oh, well, you would know you're the guy that wrote the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, like, you, right, you, you, right, brought, you brought up something interesting that has to be discussed. Yes. Since you're talking about the idea of writing reality sure. television yeah. so one thing that we've seen i can't tell you how many times is people that have been on reality shows that saying you know what they made me the villain they uh, nor i was i was busy hugging orphans but they made it look uh, like <laughs> i was a stone cold bitch yes. so <laughs> when, it, when it comes to like writing and how you're doing a story is it is it can it be that someone's depicted in a way where you're leaving out all of the gestures it's just like tachi i hate you it's like you know what tachi i'm sorry i had a really bad day i haven't had coffee uh and so you're really the greatest and you and it just ends with tachi i hate you and like that nothing else is shown (laughs) i'm just like wow kevin's temper is crazy well there are a lot there are a lot of people i think it's jd roth as a producer that said you can't make somebody into something that they're not preach You, you can only intensify it so when someone stops me in the grocery store, which has happened, and says, you know, you guys are making me look like an asshole, and I say, well, I, I can't use footage of you sleeping. 
Um, <laughs> oh wow! Oh my god! Yeah. What? Wow. Oh my! You should be on reality television. You should be on the Real House Dudes of L.A. because that was a cut. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like that paycheck from the other side of the lens. Um, but the uh, the truth is, is it's it's like uh, when you're making a reduction when you're cooking. Is you have so much stuff, and then it just boils and boils and intensifies and intensifies. When I'm taking a month of your life and trying to compress it into 44 minutes sometimes it's that thing where you know i'm probably going to use the three times you yelled at somebody and not the the three times that you fried green beans for you know 20 minutes on the stove top and and or or you know had a nice conversation with your kids about how things were going at school um it, it's the the things that are that are a little noisy and dramatic that tend to make the shows and i think that people when they see themselves in that sort of uh, intensified, reduced manner, you know, that's when they react and say, oh, you made me look like this. Or you made me look like that. Now, there are unscrupulous producers who do some pretty crazy things. Um, I remember there was a big flap about, uh, I don't know if you remember a, a show. I think it was I think it was Joe Millionaire. <gasps> yes! I could yes! be wrong. Yes! That they, that they had some, two people wandered off into the woods to have a conversation about something, and there were some sound effects that implied that they were making out off camera somewhere. And there was an argument over whether that had actually happened or not. I don't know what the real story is, but I just remember that it was, there was some controversy there. Well, and, well uh, even – well, well, speaking of Joe Millionaire, what actually ended up happening, do you remember? Because uh, did anybody – were there lawsuits? Because uh, people were, you know, the women that were – for people that don't remember, Joe Millionaire, the concept was they took a guy, a regular uh, Joe Smo, and they made it look like he was all of a sudden uh, uh, found out that he was royalty. And they had like, you know – Oh, uh, no, that was, that was I Want to Marry Harry was the royalty one. But I thought there was, but I thought that the Joe Millionaire was the idea that I thought that it turned out that they didn't. They say that he was some kind of, oh, if he wasn't royal, didn't he come into money? The oh, idea gosh. was he was a regular person, and all of a sudden he was super rich, and he was looking for a spouse, and they took these regular, um, some might say skanks, and, um, <laughs> put some them might in, say, uh, or you might say, <laughs> put them in evening gowns and had them all vie for his affection and a sweet, uh, taste of that cash. Well, I, I, I don't re- I don't remember. I, I, I know that uh, I remember that show from the conversations about the production, not so much actually being having seen it. Well, I just I remember there was a big uh, thing about afterwards that basically the women were fooled. It was the whole idea that they had been tricked and there were threats of lawsuits. I was wondering if you knew right, anything right. about how that all shook out. I really don't. I don't. What a great guest. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Troy. You're very useful. Fascinating. <laughs> well, well, so, well, let me ask you in terms of, of that. So you, you've run into, as you said, people in the grocery store saying, you, you're making me look terrible. But what has been the response that you've heard from the public? Have you ever had to deal with uh, blowback? from the public and do you worry that the way that you all do some shows may have a negative effect on people who are very vulnerable to it for example teenagers well you know i used to think that and then i read uh the girl scout study that came out several years ago um because i i have a real issue you know and, and again it's just because you know there i happen to know some some people who are female in my life um, okay. <laughs> I, I think that I think that there's there's sort of a weird sort of misogynistic way that women, that 
that women are portrayed on, on reality shows. And it's mostly uh, been a while back. It's like the dating show is everybody's kind of vanilla and it's all about them impressing the guy. The Bachelorette did a very nice job of flipping that on its head that, you know, Camille Paglia was, was impressed with that. Um, but the, in this Girl Scout study they did, um, a lot of the stuff that it was kind of a split about things that were helpful or harmful, but more uh, young girls who watch reality television saw themselves as potential leaders. Uh, they had, you know, there, there was just certain positive aspects about their self-confidence levels and how self-assured they were. And that was kind of a surprise to me um, because, you know, we hear about with magazines and, and other media where, you know, women feel like they're young girls feel like, well, I, I don't look like that or I don't have, you know. Uh, so it was nice to see something positive coming out of it in that study because the girls, I mean, it was a super in-depth thing, very easily Googleable. But also okay. in the study, let's be real. Let's talk about the other side of it. I believe yeah, yeah. the Girl Scout study also found that uh, girls who watch a lot of reality TV are eighty percent more likely to flip a table. <laughs> so let's be real; it's not all I miss, positive. I missed that part. I just, I just this lunch, this this week, I went to lunch. I have an old friend of mine whose daughter uh, is kind of wanting to get into the business. So I'm sitting in the Ivy with three fifteen-year-olds. They are not talking about anything but uh, YouTube, Instagram, and uh, reality celebrities. It's like, do you know this person? Do you know that person? Do you know this person? Do you know that person? And we brought up Bruce Willis in the conversation. Like, I don't know who that is. And I almost fell out of my chair. That it's just, it's like, it, you know, the, the social media slash reality sphere is where the celebrities are coming from. I interviewed Sarah Pavia for my documentary yesterday. Sarah's been a producer for many years. Um, and she was talking about... The, the just that thing where it's it's very strange for her to go and lecture and see students that are finally interested in reality television she just lectured at dodge chapman and she said there's 20 kids in that room that are considering that as a viable career and she said and years ago you know the big dream was like i want to write movies i want to make movies and now people are, are more interested in reality and nonfiction as a career path okay so, now you and you uh open up the door for another question now um, I don't know if you have children, but or if you have nieces, nephews, would you advise, uh, or even a friend, um, they get the call from Bravo, we'd like you to be one of the real blanks of blank. Yeah. Would you say yes to that? That's a good idea for your marriage and your family? <laughs> or would you be like, run? I think it depends on the person. Um, there are, I don't know how this is happening, but there are people who are teaching classes in how to be a reality television celebrity so that when you go to try to get cast, that you seem more like what they want. And what, uh, again, this interview with Sarah Pavia I did for the documentary yesterday, she said, you know, you have people that come in who are these sort of outrageous, you know, they have an outrageous look and they have some kind of a great name. And then you start shooting with them and they're boring as toast. Because it's that whole thing where they're so invested in their look and what they think they can get out of it. Um, I think that people who are advised to look into reality as a way to promote their business, uh, I think that's kind of a, a, a crapshoot. But that's something that people have been fed is like, oh, this is, you know, Bethany Frankel did it and, and launched Skinny Girl. Um, but I think that, you know, the kind of person you are defines your experience completely. So if I ask, if I say, do you want to do a reality show? A lot of it is. Where are you going to draw the line with producers? How are you going to learn, you know, how to bargain with producers? Because that happens. 
um, which you, you get on a show and it's sort of like, listen, you're kind of, we're going to, we're not going to use as many scenes with you unless you start, you know, acting like yourself. Like you can't just be sitting there with your hands in your lap trying to look like, you know, you just got out of church in time to, to come here and shoot with us. Oh, wow. You know, sometimes, sometimes you have, sometimes you have, it's, it's sort of like, if you're upset about something, don't take it home. Don't call people off camera. That happens a lot. Things get resolved when people aren't on set, which does no good to anybody with the stories. Okay, but that's one thing that's interesting I wanted. I also want to ask you about, because when yeah. you talk about the idea of reality, the reason why a lot of people are dubious about the realityness of it is you, if you are on a reality show, you know, if you're like on one of the housewife type shows or, or basketball wife kind of shows, mm-hmm. the wives that seem to have be rational are the ones that get little to no screen time. You and and I love how if there is something that you have a dispute with somebody, it's like you always have to for some reason confront them at like a christening or a charity event. Nobody can ever ever hash anything out <laughs> when they're not in an evening gown. Is that yes. natural? Is that what people normally do? Well, I, I will tell you that the one thing that drives me crazy about reality shows is have you ever watched a reality show where people are just walking in and out of restaurants all day? Yes. Because it's that like, well, we're going to go into a room and sit down and have a conversation. And my whole philosophy is like, get people on their feet, get them into an environment, get them out of sitting down at a restaurant because it's a real snooze to watch. So the backdrop of where a person goes, I, I think is, is you know, not, not super important. But I do think it's funny that you notice that it's always a charity event or it's always something like that. Well, oh, the, you know what? That, that that explains why when Tachi and I were arguing about who was going to ask you the most questions at the gun range, why the camera crew was following us there. It makes sense now. <laughs> exactly. I understand. <laughs> wow. Wow. So let me not really switch gears, but you mentioned that you're working on a documentary and I know that you're a documentarian. Can you tell us a little bit about the documentary? because it sounds fascinating sure um the, just not to get too pluggy but you can watch the first minute get pluggy bra no problem get All pluggy right. uh the documentary is called remember we're not here and it's sort of like the last thing you say to a reality cast before you get started or if they start trying to turn towards the camera and talk to you it's just like we're just here to cover this we're not you know we're, we're not here to, to to manipulate everything and, and push you around and make you do x y or z so Remember We're Not Here is actually a documentary about uh, how people who work in reality television feel about how their work is received. And it all started when I, I went to a, a, a holiday party in 2003. And at the time, I was running around with a crowd of people that were mostly screenwriters and comedians of note. And I was the only person at this party that you wouldn't recognize. And I was trying to figure out where the conversational on-ramp was, this guy who's been in Hollywood for three years and I don't know what to do. So I walk up to this group of guys and I'm listening and I'm listening and I finally say something. And this huge film star says to me, he goes, oh, he says, I haven't met you. He says, and I said, I'm Troy. And he goes, are you in the business? I said, yeah. He says, what do you do? I said, I make reality shows. And he gets real quiet for a second and then just punches me on the shoulder. He says, someday for you, buddy. Wow. Like this is some sort of weird transitional thing that I'm supposed to hate myself for being part of it and yada yada. And I, it really just got me thinking about like how Hollywood sees itself and we're sort of, you know, we're, we, you know, there are a lot of people that see reality TV as a little bit of a less than. Although, again, as one of my interview subjects said this week, you know, Kim Kardashian moves the dial as much as Brad Pitt does. But uh, the only people that seem to care about are the Hollywood Walk of Fame who keep stating publicly that they'll never have a reality star on the Walk of Fame. Um, wow. 
but the documentary is I, I, I'm interviewing a lot of people that have been there from the beginning. I have a producer who worked on Candid Camera and the original Amateur Hour with Ted Mack talking about, you know, you talk about reality TV from the minute that you could turn on a television and see an image, there was reality television. It's just everybody wants to talk about Survivor being the thing that made it happen or cops made it happen or, you know, the Loud family on PBS in the 70s made it happen. It just keeps going back. You know, it's like, well, this is when it happened. No, this is when it happened. This is when it happened. And it's like, as soon as there was television, you had, you know, reality and reality competition programming. So, but that's what the doc is about. Um, bunch of animated segments. Uh, I'm trying not to put myself in the film. So there's an animated version of me that does all my talking. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But if you want to get a peek at it, the, the, there's an Indiegogo campaign running through the 25th that actually the, the little screener at the top of the thing has the first probably minute and 44 seconds. It's just got some temp graphics up, but you can see the, the animations and some of the people that are in the doc. So, okay. Now you, uh, the title. Sorry again, it's called remember we're, we're not here. It's remember we're not here. Okay. Okay, Now the title of your, uh, project brings up another question. Mm -hmm. Now we hear people claim, I shouldn't even say claim. That sounds judgy. We hear people say (laughs) that I you forget the cameras are there. You forget there's a camera crew following you when you're confronting your boyfriend with uh, 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 cheating threats at your uh, at your sister's uh, bar mitzvah. I'm just like, really? You forgot that there was a camera crew there and there's a boom mic over your head, or or you're wearing a body mic. After you shoot for after you shoot with a crew, I usually say the first week or two on a follow show. That's when you're kind of getting it all out of your system and you're trying to self-produce and you're trying to make yourself look like this person or that person or whoever you came in thinking you wanted to be. But when the cameras just start coming through, like there was a, there was a moment on Basketball Wives that I just, my heart was in my throat was when um, Jennifer Williams' husband, Eric, uh, basically proposed a divorce while they were sitting mm. around in their apartment. And it was like the most natural conversation and it ended up being like an eight minute chunk of that episode well i remember that i remember that very well but i mean you talk about forgetting the cameras are there it really i really feel like that that that's a real thing you do you do forget because it becomes part of your daily routine just like if every single day i go to starbucks and i get a coffee and a donut i could walk into that starbucks and be in a line full of martians and all i'm thinking about is you know ponying up my eight dollars and fifty cents to get what i want and get out of there Okay, you, now this, you don't pay attention to what's going on around you. Okay, right. now I'm trying to accept that, but when uh, on reality shows where there's two things, parts of reality show that I'm always curious about um, yeah. is when you have scenes of people waking up, yes, in bed, like <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 God, I can't believe it's Tuesday, the big day of the big cotillion we got to host, yes. and like. Wait, who let the camera crew in? I don't understand. <laughs> Did you guys just get keys Kevin, to people's I, houses? I, with every person I've interviewed with this, I shoot, I shoot from inside the house as they open the door to let me in, so I can do it as a gag reel. The idea of somebody just being in the house waiting for someone to come knock on the door. Um, there are shows that there are certain elements of what we call soft scripting, where usually what happens is you'll get a note back from network and network will say, and it just gets into your blood after a couple of years. And somebody will say, well, we need to see entrances and exits because we can't just teleport into the room while things are happening. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's a convention that they use in film. And my philosophy has always been, if you can do it in a movie and you can do it in the scripted TV show, why can't you do it in, in reality? Why can't I just cut into the middle of a conversation? Why can't I, 
you know, do those sorts of things. Why do reality TV shows have to have bumpers on either side of the commercials to say, coming up in the sixth act, because we don't trust you to come back, here's a big fight. And then you don't see it for another 25 minutes. Right. Um, there's a lot of weird conventions in reality that just I think that uh, it's meant it, – a lot of people think it's meant to be watched while you're cooking apparently. So that if you come back from the kitchen, you don't have to say what happened because we're going to reestablish everything three times. And Yeah, I think because people are multitasking. I think that's the idea. So they're – that we need to be spoon-fed every – nuance about what's going to be happening exactly which is why i never watch ingmar bergman uh films while i'm cooking <laughs> <laughs> and also there's a there's a also there's go to bed shots where it's just like yes. well, good night honey and just like again are they going to lay there as the cow ca- we'll let ourselves out thank exactly. you exactly lock the bottom lock the yes. bottom before you leave <laughs> but are you are you materially changing what's there in the, in the middle of the story no what you're doing is you're saying all right we got to get out of here let's just shoot you guys going to bed or let's get a shot of the outside of the house with the lights turning off or, or something like that. It's, it's because, you know, we're, we're trying to follow a, a narrative line that people understand. Okay. Um, and and it, it's just, it's just trying to keep, just trying to keep it clean and not conf- The networks are constantly worried that we're going to confuse someone. It's why you also don't see a lot of uh, nonlinear stuff happen. There's not a lot of uh, intercutting of things that are happening in two different places at the same time. You know what's cool. interesting? I was I, I wanted to hear what you thought your thoughts were on this because it was just recently uh, uh, the week of this recording was the premiere of uh, Beverly Hills, uh, uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, sure. and they began the uh, the first episode of this season in a very cinematic way. I've never seen if if, if it's happened. I'm just I'm saying it's, I'm not saying it's never happened. I'm just saying I've never seen this. Yeah. What it began the very first moment we see some epic fight between. Kyle Richards and Lisa Vanderpump, one of those "get out of my house, you bitch" <laughs> kind of things, and and then then it, then we uh, it cuts to a card saying like you know three months earlier. I'm like, what ha- what led up to that incredible fight? Yep. So and we're gonna basically find out what's gonna, li- which also tells me it's like it's pretty be a pretty boring season if you have to tell us at the beginning something big is gonna happen. So just stay with us. Well, no, I mean they're they're trying to get you caught up. That's why I mean that's why in reality we're so big on previously ons. Mm. Is you can't just drop somebody into the middle of the season and assume that they saw the last one. Well, also another thing I love about reality TV. I don't know if you uh, that this I don't I shouldn't say bugs me, but it just feels like does it, do people do this in real life? Where it's just like I like where I show up at Tachi's like house. I'm like, hey Tachi, so wow, it was pretty crazy when you threw champagne in Brenda's face last night. How do you feel about it? wait do do people always it's just like for some reason whenever there's like some kind of fight or something happens on a reality show the next day a friend shows up to specifically ask them wow it was crazy what happened at the baby charity auction when (laughs) when you started fighting (laughs) so and then the person basically talks about what happened sure does that let me ask you this, Kevin? Did, when you watch a movie, does that happen? Is there a, a progression of events where people talk about things that happened in previous scenes as they work toward a resolution? No, I'm not claiming that that never. But it's it's the way it is. It's like there's it, nothing. Yeah, it, but but what happens is is people have big fights and they're just like in, in real life. I have friends of mine they'll have an argument with, and then two days later we get together and it's like, hey, sorry about yesterday, and that's the end of the conversation. You know, in, in reality television, I think people like to see some kind of resolution. And I think that some people are off are, are confused 
sometimes, especially with fights, especially with fights where there's any kind of a physical altercation, which I hate in reality TV. That drives me crazy. Um, which is why if you, if you ever are watching a show like Basketball Wives uh, or, or something where, where there's ever been a, an example of someone laying hands on another person, uh, you'll always see the person go in on the other person and then an interview bite that says like, and I couldn't believe she did that. And then they cut to them being pulled apart because you mm-hmm. don't want to watch people fight for two and a half minutes. It's not good television. It's exploitive and I don't like it. Now, speaking um, of that, do you have any kind of rules on the, sh- on the shows that you produced oh yeah, about, is... about people? Because to me, the real thing is, do people get fired off the show? It's one Absolutely. thing to say that we're not cool with it, but a lot of people like on uh, the Real Housewives on Bravo, there are people that have gotten physical altercations that are still employed. Sure. Well, I think, and I think it's uh, it's up to the participants in that show, and the the producers to resolve whatever those issues are. Um, there are people that have been thrown off of uh, like house reality shows. There was somebody who threatened somebody with a knife on I forget what show it was. Instantly removed. Uh, someone slapped someone on the Real World many years ago. That person was instantly removed from the cast. Um, you, you know, they're looking out for the safety. If you ever see Basketball Wives, you'll always see. Uh, th- God, this guy is just wonderful. He's a producer named Sean Rankin. He's one of my favorite guys. Mm. But he's a very big dude. Uh, and the minute that something starts to happen, you will see Sean break frame and step in and, and try to stop that that altercation. We don't want to see people get hurt. Um, right. y- you know, but it's that thing where there are people that you know that there are people in this, in this universe who are volatile, and they when they argue, they fight, Absolutely. and it's that thing where you kind of have to split it up. It's like, do you completely avoid that? Or do you, you know, consider the safety of the cast, whether the cast, you know, like these shows have to be insured because, because you don't want, you don't want things to happen to people. Oh, I often, I often wonder what what is Kevin. Kevin, you have asked three questions. It is Tachi's turn. Please, please just, this has, this is connected. Please, please. Is Is it, is it still Sunday? (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's still sunday go ahead go ahead this it's is your just, last well, no you he mentioned insurance and i was wondering because like on okay. a show like with like uh on say uh real house of housewives of atlanta the idea that porsche is still on that show after i think like four physical altercations is the insurance through the roof or do the other people who have to interact with her get a pay bump to be still I work don't. with her I don't have any idea what any deals are like on those shows. Um, I'm, I'm there for I'm there for story. I'm I'm not uh, on the company side working my insurance numbers and all that. Um, but again, it's just that thing where you know, if I'm getting paid a couple hundred thousand dollars a season or more, uh, and somebody once in a while you know wants to throw a glass of wine in my face or takes a swing at me and or, or whatever, it's it's that thing where I. I I don't understand how these things work. I don't understand why there aren't more lawsuits, but there has to be some level of, you know, the cast either deciding that they're okay with what's going on or not. Uh, What there was, what was the show? There was an actual lawsuit. It was not girls behaving badly. Girls, bad girls club, bad girls club. There you go. Do you remember the thing about the, the two girls that came to the house and somehow the other girls thought it would be funny to like, hit them with bags of flour or some goofy thing. And there actually was a lawsuit because like one of the girls got her glasses broken and then she was like, you know, they walked us into an ambush that they had clearly coordinated and all this. I don't know what the outcome of that was, but there clearly was, 
you know, clearly something happened there if, if people thought that they needed to litigate. Right. Um, but most reality shows, yeah, I, I don't hear a lot about people filing suits. I, I know that there are times where, you know, the police have been called um, if there's been an assault on set. The producers are always very cooperative when those things happen. Um, there was a pretty well-publicized incident several years ago where Susie Ketchum, who was on Basketball Wives, we did a reunion special. Mm. And she ran out and she threw a bucket of, like a champagne bucket of ice water on somebody that was on stage and the woman got up and fell on her face. Oh, and gosh. She, and she, you know, the, the police were called and they stopped down the production. Um, I mean, we're, we're trying our very best to look out for people. Because if you watch that footage, you'll also see that there were four security guards in the room that she somehow got around in order to, to do this. But, you know, we're, we try to be, you know, as careful with cast as we possibly can and not put people in dangerous situations. And if you're shooting a show, you know, you, you have security present or you have crew members that are there that are supposed to be watching for, you know, anything that might be looking like it's going to cross the line. Wow, absolutely. So what about ethical consideration? So, you know, this brings me to, you probably remember, probably, this was probably four or five years ago now, probably four years ago, there was a show that came out that was a, a Mona Scott Young production called sure. Sorority Sisters. Sure. And it was featuring the four uh, tra- traditionally black uh, sororities. Yes. And they were not representing the sorority, well, they weren't supposed to be. But what ended up happening is that, I and I happen to be a member of one of the organizations, Delta Sigma Theta. So all four of the organizations were so mortified by how these members were portraying themselves, being members of the organization. And it's not that you can't be on a reality show and be a member. After all, Kay Michelle is a member of Delta Sigma Theta too, but she doesn't run around saying Delta, Delta, Delta with everything she does. They were specifically representing NPHC organizations. And as such, our national leaderships were appalled and, you know, wanted the show pulled. Nothing happened at at first until they went after the advertisers. One by one, they started pulling out. And so that's what happens when you have, um, you know, people who are concerned about their image and have power (laughs) in numbers to do something about it. But it leads me to what happens with those who don't have the power, who don't have advocates to say, we need this off the air. Uh. I'm going to start that response by t- taking note of something that's a little bit curious. Is I find that I notice we're not talking about any Anthony Bourdain shows, and we're not talking about Nat Geo shows, and we're not talking about uh, reality competition shows. We're only mm-hmm. talking about the sort of uh, a very specific type of show, and we've been talking about it the entire show. I just want to make sure that that we know that there's a lot of stuff that's that's absolutely different genres of reality yes so when you talk about people who who don't have advocates who who are you specifically talking about uh, as far as like cast members or people who are perfectly affiliated with cast members or businesses that the cast members purportedly represent is that what you're talking yeah in in terms of and this is not to say they 100 percent don't have advocates but for the uh for the general public us looking at it sometimes it seems those particular types of reality shows not talking about cooking or whatever seem exploitive you know um it seems that often there are people on there that are um, people of color or people that may be poor, you know, of a lower socioeconomic status who sure. may not have 
advocates in real life to and they may see this as an out or a way out but may not be properly prepared to deal with everything that comes with it you know well let me tell you let me tell you this um before anybody is on a reality show period part of the process in order for that show to get insured is they're going they're going to be psychological evaluations there are going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion of if this person can handle being on the show and there are a lot of people that that are very far along in the casting process that don't make it because mm. that happens on a show and as on a show as benign as like last comic standing do you remember this show yeah, yeah. yes yeah uh i have a, fr- a very good friend of mine who's a comedian named eddie pepitone the guy is brilliant and funny and and wonderful uh there was a reality show that called me to interview me about him as part of the psych evaluation that they do for everybody on the show. I was on the phone for 45 minutes answering questions about, have you ever seen him raise his voice to anyone? Have you ever seen him strike anyone? Do you know if he drinks? Do you know if this, and and this very, very deep search. Um, Reality TV isn't out there looking for people who are just 38 kinds of screwy. And if they are, they're looking for them for shows where, it's somewhere where some of the show ostensibly is there to help them, um, which is where you get Dr. Drew's celebrity rehab and, and, and shows like that. People who need help, who wouldn't pass a psych eval to be on a competition show, but definitely, you know, to tell their story in a, in a manner that might help other people to be braver about either seeking help for addiction or whatever else. Um we're very careful in reality television with the people that are on it. And when you say that they don't have advocates, um, I think there's also a point where the, the attorneys for network will say, we're not going to do this or we can't do that because the liability is too great. Um, and, and just the limits of what we can really do on television uh, sort of act in the, in the better interest of the people who are participating. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Well, the, the, I mean, there's so much more that we could we could get out of you, which means we probably need to do a part two with you. Oh, but, yeah. But uh, <laughs> can I can I do a quick a question about like um you mentioned the what we've been talking about? Because, yes, we've been talking about the kind of the real blanks of blank kinds of shows, sure. because when you talk about other reality ca- competition shows, it depends on if it's something like an Anthony Bourdain, I think the difference is we don't see them housed. When you have a show where it's a competition and you see the people housed and you see them and they're constantly being filmed versus like a show like American Idol, we see them sing, we see them hold each other's hands, hoping that they don't get eliminated. Right. But we're not seeing them uh, like, you know, at four o'clock in the morning crying about the fact that they, how they, you know, they're afraid about getting booted off the show. Right. The the emotions and, and the intimacy of filming somebody all the time i was going to ask you do you consider certain things because like i was looking at all one of uh, among your huge amount of credits like something like hollywood game night is yeah. do you consider that to be a reality show or what's the difference between a, 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 a reality show and a game show to you because some of these things feel like game shows versus a reality show it really does it really does blur the line and it happened many many years ago there was a show called are you smarter than a fifth grader yeah and in order to circumvent I think, and again, this is this is how I'm remembering this, so my apologies if I get it wrong, uh, that in order to circumvent uh, the Writers Guild, uh, they decided that it was a reality show. And it's very clearly a game show. Um, competitions that happen over a very short span of time, I would have a hard time differentiating between 
Hollywood Game Night is a competition involving celebrities who are partnered with an ordinary person on each side in, in various head-to-head contests. It's a compressed version of Dancing with the Stars. If Dancing with the Stars was shot over a two-hour period instead of being, being shot over you know 14 weeks or 16 weeks, what is the real difference? Um, I have a hard time with defining reality. Uh, and the reason I took Hollywood Game Night was because you know I, I don't want to be the guy that just gets known for doing docu-soaps, docu-follows, um, those types of shows. I want to be able to do other things. I want to do reality competition shows. I want to do game. I want to do other stuff. Um, the definition, it's so weird because we can just, we could, could nitpick it all day, but well, I really feel, I really feel like it's, it's the level to which a person is willing to expose themselves. Like big brother still fascinates me. Um, because you cannot get away from the reality on that show because there's a live stream of it going on on the web. You can go on at four o'clock in the morning and see what's happening in that house. Like we, we can't cheat anything. We can't force anything. Um, in that situation well when it comes to reality shows or competition shows where they really blur the lines to me it's a show like top chef where we're seeing the competition but we're also seeing the off times when they're together and sometimes relationships happen friendships arguments tension all that's happening on another show like that would be something like uh where they're sequestered anything where they're sequestered like a a show like a, a top model where they're sure. sequestered and the only people you have to talk to are other cast members. Right. That's a recipe for fun. Anyway. Well, oh, and one last question and then we can move on to the other side of the show. And then How, we what, have do you have do you, have do you have a stance on alcohol on the set because there there've been controversies. There was there was a sexual assault allegation on uh what was it called uh, the Big Brother not, not sorry, not Big Brother. What's it called? Um Bachelors in Paradise where there was some kind of issue about how much alcohol was being served to them and how many drinks they have they're able to get per hour. And ABC talked about how they're changing their policy about how many drinks they can have in a certain amount of time. Do you have any kind of feelings about that? Uh, I don't. Um, I'm a teetotaler, and I don't understand the psychology of drinking necessarily. <laughs> um, so I'm a tough person to ask about that because I, I, I never know how much is the alcohol and how much is that person just losing their inhibitions and being more of the person they already are. Wow. Um, but I do know, you, you know, that again, I say, you know, the safety is a concern. Producers are present. I know there are shows that have, you know, a particular amount of their budget or set dressing aside. That's like, we're going to have, you know, we'll put a couple bottle of wine, bottles of wine over here. We'll stick some Patron behind the bar in case anybody wants to have a drink to keep them social and keep them talking. Um, because there are some people who just need a drink to loosen up and talk. That's just how some people are. They're, you know, you're on a TV show with 25 other people trying to win a bunch of money, and you're stuck in a house together. Who who cares? Who gives a rip if you have, you know, a glass of tequila, you know, a, a, a shot? Um, again, it's it's that thing too where it, personal accountability is a big part of reality shows, and the producers are looking out for everybody. But ultimately, I think people need to be responsible for themselves. Um, don't get yourself into a situation on a reality show that you wouldn't put yourself in in real life. Don't get completely hammered in a room, you know, with a bunch of strangers. It's like, it's, you pass the psych eval. We try very hard to watch out for you. Um, but ultimately, you know, you have to, you have to be accountable for the person that you are in the end. And And you can't blame producers for everything that happens on a reality set. No, some of these are, uh, their own, uh, 
things, their own uh, personalities that come through. And it's funny yeah. when uh, I, I, I don't think you know this, but I went to school with Omarosa. Oh, okay. uh, um, so six pe- degrees of Tachi. Yeah. <laughs> people, people ask, is that how she really is? Well, you know, pretty close the, to the honorable Omarosa. Yeah, the, I did. I did. Yeah. 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 It's pretty close to it. So when you say that, I thought about that. And it's like, while, you know, of course, there's editing. And of course, there are things that may make people not look in the best light, but it's probably not far from who they really are. Yeah, so, it's just a dis- it's a distillation of, yeah. of who they are, you know. And there, there are people like if if a person has a known history of something, they're not going to put them in a situation that that jeopardizes them, you know, based on that. Unless, of course, you filled out a thing and it's like, are you afraid of anything? And you go, oh, snakes. And then, of course, you know, the producers are going to be like, we're going to go to the zoo and you're going to have to look at a snake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Exactly. Exactly. I'm afraid of puppies. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid of kittens. (laughs) I'm afraid of of beautiful women that have a thing for reality producers. Exactly. (laughs) Whatever you do. We're putting you in a room full of them. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, that's terrible. So we, okay, so now we have to move on to the second part because you are so fascinating that we could go on forever. But we do have another part to the show, which is to talk about our top five favorite reality shows. And as Troy so eloquently eloquently mentioned, reality is not just the docu-series, the follow docu-series. There are all sorts of reality shows. So we, there are no limits as to the type of reality show that yeah you can name but we're doing our top five and as we always do we shall start with our illustrious guest troy what is your and kevin shall we go um in our from our number five to our number one yeah um i think we should go round robin style because it's interesting i think it's more interesting that way we sometimes we might have crossover or something versus having him go through all all of them no 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 no. what i mean is should we um go from number five to number one yes thank you yeah the number five is the least and number one is your absolute most the apex of of uh your love of reality right right so start with your number five okay i'm 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 not gonna name any shows i've worked on out of out of decency (laughs) Um, that is impressive i'm impressed my my number five is going to surprise you. It's a Netflix series called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yes, Troy. Which yes. I am beyond uh, fascinated by. The production level on that is amazing. Um, it is uh, what it also is for me is reality television has always done a great job of being diverse in a way that scripted television has not. And I love Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat because I love seeing somebody I haven't seen before. And it's one thing for Anthony Bourdain to go to a market in some strange country and talk about, oh, this is kind of wacky because, you know, white guys don't eat this stuff. And to see somebody who is really in the thick of, of just amazing cooking and the, the science of it all, I, I, think, I think it's a, a fantastic show. I agree. It is an amazing show. Kevin, have you watched it yet? Yes, I have. And it is it is beautiful to look at. It's one of those shows that you can watch. I feel like you can actually have it on mute and be listening to music or something and just look at the images of it are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So Fat Acid Heat, great pick. All, All right. right, Tachi. So what is your number five? Oh, okay. So my, it, and this was kind of difficult in a way to rank them because I kind of like in a way, everything that I watch the same in terms of reality in a way. So, but 
My number five is So You Think You Can Dance. Of course. That's my number four. You just ruined it. Oh! <laughs> See, I told you there'd be crossover. There's going to be crossover. Well, let me tell you why. I don't know if you know, Troy, but I'm also a dancer choreographer. So mm-hmm. dance is a really big part of my life. It's always been a part of my life. And it, unlike, so with Dancing with the Stars, it's it's a different thing because there's celebrities yes. there. It's coupling. It's ballroom dance. And I've never, I love ballroom dance, but I've never really done it. So this type of contemporary um modern with with hints of ballet and hip-hop and african that's completely my background and so i've been glued to whatever is ever sent every summer that's my thing so my number five is so you think you can dance if i can add a quick thing to that yeah you you know that nigel has the history with choreography and dance and all that good stuff yes um dancing with the stars we were on the stage next to so you think you can dance i didn't know that yep and one night we were on the cbs lot which is now no more um, and I saw him sitting on a bench behind the, uh, behind the thing after a taping and I walked past him and I said, what's it like to do the exact show you always dreamed of doing and having it be, you know, it's, it's your thing. And he just like gave me this big broad smile. He goes, it is the best feeling in the world because I was just sitting here thinking about it. Oh, wow. oh my God. What a perfect question. Yeah. Just, oh it, it, it is, it is a perfect show. Yeah, what I love about uh, what I love about uh, so you think you can dance is the fact that you have these people that are so talented and they're so focused on a particular style, and to watch them grow and try styles that you would think they wouldn't be familiar with, or somebody who was like a you know a classically trained ballet dancer all of a sudden have to do some kind of hip hop routine with Stitch, and see them develop is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, it, 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 it speaks to the human spirit that if you can do it, that, you know, if you if you put your mind to it, you can do it. It sounds cliche, but I've actually seen, you know, in teaching dancers who have never done African, um, just telling them to let go and you can do it. You just have to let go and believe. So I think that's another yep. reason why I like it so much. Yeah, absolutely. So, Kevin, since you say I never ask you, what is your number five pick? Wow, Tachi, thank you so much for asking. Oh, you're welcome. All right, so my number five. This was is this was I was surprised at how hard this was to do, uh, to come up with this list and try to condense it down because there's a lot of shows that I wasn't even sure were reality and was the lines are being blurry. So I was having a hard time. And when I broadened the concept of what reality was, it made it even harder. And the so you think you went to condense didn't make my top five, but it was darn close. So for me, number five has to be even though I haven't watched it in years. It was it was a big deal when I was watching it, and it, I have to say, real world. Mm. because <laughs> when the real world started, it, it felt like it was a completely fresh and new thing. I know it wasn't the only, it was the PBS series, but to take I think the, what was groundbreaking about the real world was the idea, like, we're taking different, like, 20-somethings, late teen-somethings, 18 to 24s, we're taking them from different walks of life, different kinds of people who might not ever encounter, encounter each other. We put them in a kick-ass house or apartment or something, and we're just going to film them. And it just felt like such a unique idea and to see friendships develop and relationships develop. But there's two seasons that I, in particular that meant a lot to me. Uh, the the San Francisco season yep. where we got introduced to Pedro. Um, that was a particularly big deal because um, you had an out gay man. You had 
Um, he was dealing with HIV. You see him develop relationships. Um, you saw another couple that formed. They're still together from that particular uh, season. It was a cartoonist. I can't remember what the other. Oh, a cartoonist and a doctor. They end up getting together. They're still together, I believe. Um, and so that that was a season that I was like glued to that I watched every episode of. Uh, and another season, I believe, was when they were in Seattle, and I believe that was the one with Genesis. She was an incredible character, and uh, so I there's even though I haven't watched it in years, a long, long time, but I just feel like that show was such a big thing for me when I was a kid that I I just I can't not mention it because I think that so many things that we watch are basically bastardized versions of the real world. Absolutely. Absolutely. You okay there, Kevin? Yeah, what happened? Okay, I'm not sure. We're good. <laughs> so, fantastic, fantastic. So, I guess it's now back to our dear friend Troy. Troy, you've already said your number four, which is so you think you can dance. Yep, so... and, and he just said my number three. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, I guess but, empirically we must we must be right. Okay, well, no, I, well, no. I would love to, what, what were your thoughts on why why was why was the real world in your top five? The real world's in my top five because it's it's probably one of the greatest examples of casting for conflict in the history of television. Is you'll notice that everyone on that show is cast because they have a very distinct personality, and that there's a possibility that that personality might bump up against other people in the house. It's about viewpoints and people being able to discuss the same things from different vantage points um, and sometimes come to an agreement and sometimes not. Uh, I just think it's a, a, an extremely well-made show. It has always been a well-made show. Um, I just like it. Uh, I, 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 I think that at its core, it's also one of the most um, loving shows in a strange way that even when there's big conflict, there's, there's, they leave room for quiet and for resolution in a way that I think a lot of reality shows don't. Mm. Um, and also because, you know, Buna Murray, the company that makes the real world, uh, almost everybody I know in town at some point has worked for them. So it's one of the only things that really kind of unifies all of us is that we all know somebody who's worked on that show. And those people know story and they know humanity, which is the difference between you know, a lot of producers is there's the people who know how to get noise and there are people who know how to get story. Mm. And a lot of the great story people come from that show. Yeah, I think another thing that to me says about how much what that show, the magic it was able to create in its early days, because again, I can't speak for like the last whatever, 10, 20 seasons of it or whatever, but I remember being genuinely sad when they have the the move out day when they're all yes. saying goodbye to each other. Where I was just like, "This is like I am verklempt <laughs> seeing them say goodbye <laughs> to each other." And like, yeah. and that last shot of the house, they always give you that last shot of the house of that particular season. Yeah. Um, just like ugh. whoever's in charge of picking some of the houses. Like one season, there was they were in a fi- uh, an old firehouse that was made into a loft. That was everything. So yeah. they did very well. One thing you don't know about Kevin Troy is that he house shops when he's watching television shows. <laughs> so that's it's why true. he pays particular attention to home and decoration and stuff I like s- that. I see, I see. Well, I think because sometimes one of the, I think the the layout, the architecture of the particular places can actually create 
it's, it's a character and it also if there's some pl- I've, I've found back back in the real world days there'd be some like little areas or little corners the way they were set up like a little reading nook that when a person was going through something they might go into it and others might kind of feel like you know a safe space kind of feeling right. and um and and it was I, I always wondered about the the thinking when they're assessing out the places they were going to pick to have little different places that to shoot to have different angles and to make it look interesting and keep it looking fresh throughout the season yeah absolutely uh there's a guy uh his name is scott story and scott does a lot of uh reality show he did basically the the interior designs for surreal life uh he was one of the he's the guy behind that look um but the people who are really great with reality shows know how to how to how to split up a room and give people places to be alone and to have private conversations so Nobody remembers to celebrate the set guys, so I'm glad that you thought of that. Yeah, because they have to. You have to create the illusion of intimacy so people can have a moment. Because, like again, there's people, there's guys with mics and stuff on watching them. So to give them a feeling, to have them actually share some story about, like, and then my mother was an alcoholic. They need to. Yeah. They need to feel as if they're cloistered. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, question for me, Kevin. All right. Um. Wait. Is it? Is, is I thought Troy was next. It was. He's number. He's number four. He did his number four. Remember, it was so you think you can dance. Oh, okay. I thought that. I thought that was his number. And then four. his number three. Oh, okay. Was... All right. So I guess it's all right. We're already. I'm already getting mixed up. All right. So Tachi. So what is your number four? My number four is a show that used to come on. It's it's no longer on. Came on Channel Four in Britain. How clean is your house? Have you guys ever watched? Oh that? man. What a great show. Wasn't that awesome? It was. Have you ever seen it, Kevin? Yes. Okay. So there there was just something about the simplicity of the home. They were never in these huge sprawling houses. They were always in, you know, working class neighborhoods where the, you know, these people got uh, just overwhelmed with stuff and clutter. And sometimes I was like, first of all, it made my skin crawl because some of the diseases <laughs> that what they tested uh, they, in these Petri dishes because these people were just so, it wasn't just about clutter, there was also mess. So then the other thing that I liked is they used very simple um, concoctions to clean, baking soda, vinegar, it was all non-toxic. And then at the end, they would just have lovely candles lit to, you know, um, for ambiance and scent and it's not like they changed anything it wasn't like an extreme makeover uh d- decor wise it was just cleaning up what these people had and so that's what i liked. and i liked the two uh the the woman i think she was actually um she was actually a um not just a cleaner but i think she was actually like a chemist or something uh to that extent or did public health so that's when you know they would go to the lab and test that stuff so that's my number four. How clean is your house? That's a great. That's a great choice. That is an. That's an interesting choice. Thank you. You all don't sound impressed, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I like it. <laughs> as long as you're not giving away any more of my list, I'm <laughs> he's thrilled. You're thrilled. I'm, I'm making a reservation for the number one spot with my birthday buddy. Oh, okay, okay. Well, we can't wait for for what that is. So then, Kevin, since you know what my number four is, what is your number four? Okay, I'm literally, I am like sussing out what I'm going to choose next. I'm like, as you were talking, like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm, I like I said before, I was struggling. So I think I'm going to have to give my number four to Survivor. I have to give it to Survivor, and 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 here's why. 
when Survivor started, it really felt like nothing we had ever experienced before. The ca- the original cast and who the ultimate original winner was, whose name is escaping me right now, uh, Richard Hatch, Hatch, I think. Yes. Um, he was something we had never seen before, and his the meant the cunning that he had. It was literally he was like a gay Hannibal Lecter or something, and the way he played all of the other contestants like a fiddle, and the joy in which he took in manipulating these people so easily it was like he was a bond villain it was it was disturbing it really was and just like this man thank god he's on reality show because he would be a killer if he weren't right can can we all agree so anyway it was it was and it was so (laughs) epic looking the way the show was uh shot finding this island and the shots they would get i wonder this is the days before drones how they would get these amazing crane shots and these like helicopter shots from above of the island to give you the scope and this feeling of of just being in the middle of nowhere was absolutely jaw-dropping the cinematography we were getting on cbs uh you know circa early 2000s was it was jaw-dropping at its time what's amazing about what it's become is so many people that are hardcore fans of the show that are that end up on the show they come with these games and they're 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 with so much planning and they're so self-aware that's one thing i've got to say about what was interesting about the early years of the real world was people really didn't know what it was and so later years it was less interesting because people came in with like this is my character i'm gonna be the badass or i'm gonna be the this and um and so uh the original survivor was like that people didn't know what they were doing but now that it's been on for untold numbers of seasons people come in with plans and it's fascinating when they at the judging at the end because you the the people who were eliminated end up voting and how people will vote for somebody who stabbed them in the back and they will be like my hat is off to you i trusted you and you were lying to me the whole time i am so impressed with how you manipulated me and screwed me out of a million dollars my hat is off sir and i'm like wow it's like this is beyond so there's no way survivor could oh and also theme song you got to give it up to the survivor theme song that those opening credits i defy anybody not to feel like oh "Oh my god somebody hand me a pirate hat i want to go on an adventure that opening montage and that music just instantly pulls you in and you are ready for an adventure and how they keep the 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 different uh 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 challenges they keep giving them and the the whole starvation thing and and who you're gonna pick to go and have them have a morsel of food to go with you all of it is so vicious and so amazing and you see the the heights of like people pushing themselves to where they they never thought they thought they could go and then you see treachery it's like so much is happening in the course of a season good choice kevin can you tell us a little bit excited (laughs) oh my god that, that. Listen, it knocks another one off of my list, so we're doing good. Oh, <laughs> see, but Kevin, I will, I will tell you just for just for envy's sake that I've been collecting reality TV memorabilia since I started in this twenty years ago, and the pride of my collection is Gretchen Cordy's acceptance letter to the show. <gasps> wow! Wow! Oh my God! I don't even want to ask you if you have how many buffs you have. Do you? Have I, I don't collect. I don't collect those. Okay. Wow, what we wow! That, All right, so that's amazing. Uh, you know so what I think do you we want, should do? Share? 
we should probably so we can catch up <laughs> with um with um with Troy, we should probably do our number threes and then catch up to Troy. Yes. Well, I want to want to give Troy a second. Do, is there anything that you want to say about Survivor? Like, why did you choose it? I'd love to. I'd be. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Survivor. Well, I, I like Survivor because it, it's the first example of something. It's it's a it's a first in its field. Cops was a first. The Loud Family was a first. Survivor undeniably is the first in a series of shows that benefited from the way that it was created. I thought, I think it's an extremely well done show. Um, and, and it's just, you know, you, you can't argue with the milestones and it's a milestone show. It, it's the, it's the, it's the show that changed the landscape for all of us. Absolutely. Huge milestone. All right. So I think we're up to now Troy's number three. Was that your number three? No, his number three. And it's pay attention, Kevin. Remember his number three was on, we, we did uh, num- number four, which was So You Think You Can Dance. His number three was Real World. So we took another one of his. So that's why I'm saying. <laughs> I got two shows left. Kevin. He has two okay. shows left. So I'll do a number three. You do a number three. Then All we'll right. go back to Troy. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, We've never had this much crossover before. Yeah. Hopefully no, we usually we don't. Usually we there's a little bit of crossover, but wow. Okay. So here we go. So what's your number three, Tachi? My number three is Kamora Life in the Fab Lane. Another Sean Rankin joint. If you don't know, uh, Kamora Lee Simmons, who used to be married to Russell Simmons, had a reality show with she and her, her and her daughters, and then later her son, and went through uh, when she got married to Jaimon Hunsu, who she's no longer married to. Um, it just went through her life. And uh, the thing I liked about that is not just because it was a look at at her as a mogul. I'd always admired her because I've always been into fashion, um, really enjoyed her as a model. But how she was able to spin that into becoming a mogul with uh, Baby Fat and a lot of the other, and the uh, KLS line and a lot of the other things she did. So it, it showed the business side of it that you just don't have to be a model. And there's nothing wrong with being a model, but you damn well better find a way to spin that into something else because you can't model forever in the conventional sense. So she realized that and really early was able to have all these other streams of income, which I admire her for. She was able to set up a legacy for her children, which is a, a, a big thing as well, and create generational wealth for her children, which, you know, it can be a, uh, a daunting task sometimes in communities of color. So I was really happy to see that. And plus the show was just fun to see her, uh, you know, with her daughters and what she did. I, I, it was just a fun show. So Kamara Lee Simmons, Life in the Fab Lane is my number three. Good and call. nobody has anything to say about that except no. It was it was interesting. We were seeing we were seeing a, a woman of color who was a mogul. I, I believe her her clothing line was baby fat. Yeah, so, baby yeah. fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and KLS. All right. So since uh, there's probably no crossover with that one, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly, I don't, oh that almost in my list, Tanji. Oh. So. <laughs> So that's your honorable mention. But what is your number three? <laughs> All right. Let's see. I'm going to have to say, um, oh, my, this is another hard one. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, eliminating pe- things. All right. I'm going to say only because I'm, I, I believe you have one of mine uh, on my on your list, Tati, so I'll get to talk about it through you. So I'm going to say 
RuPaul's Drag Race Woo! slash slash the show oh. that it's the, the slash the show that it's a parody of America's Next Top Model. So <laughs> it's basically the same show. You know you're it's, wrong it's, for that. It's my number one show. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow! Num- number one show. Wow. Oh my god! Wow. Okay. Well, are we secretly of- related? <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Wow. Well, okay. So here's the thing: RuPaul's Drag Race was is gonna was gonna be an honorable mention for me because there's just so many. But I what told is it about- you this was so hard. It was really hard. So Kevin um, and Troy, what is it about RuPaul's Drag Race that really draws you in? Let's let the guests go first. Okay. It is a universe uh, uh, which I knew nothing about. Um, I was a huge fan of RuPaul in the early 90s. When Supermodel of the World came out, I said it was one of the only perfect albums where every track is is a gem. That's all I really knew about RuPaul was as a performer. This whole drag universe that I knew nothing about, it's, it's incredibly funny to me. I think that as bitchy as the show can be in places, uh, it's all done with love and respect for the people who compete on the show. If you listen to anybody after having had an experience on the show, um, where you're watching, what was the, oh my God, what was the name of the show? It's, uh, is it Yas, is it, what is the show? I, I don't, can't remember it. It's an interview show. I think it's called Yas Queen, something like that. And they, they do a segment on that show that's called Look at Her. And they just oh. basically run down drag queens and their looks and all this other stuff. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a really, it's an astonishing community. Mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. and the amount of heart that goes into that level of performance it's like it's like the first time you discover music it's like the first time you discover you know great film it's something you didn't know anything about and i don't say that everybody comes into it knowing that you know not knowing a lot about drag but it's just a fascinating world to me and the people that populate it are so wonderful and have so much heart and it came along at a time when i think um you know, the LGBT community, any any time that anybody can get up in front of a group of people and just say, look, you know, we're great loving people who have fun and whatever. Anything that anything that takes us outside of, of white bread normal, what we think is entertaining is always good. And RDR just blew the, the windows and doors right off of everything. There's a there's a and I, this is my last comment. And then, Kevin, I'm sure you've got a lot to say, <laughs> but I. I love that show so much. I, RuPaul and I are born exactly 10 years apart. And mm. that was the only conversational thing I've ever had talked with him about, which was about as interesting to him as me describing nine types of ham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but I wanted to get on that show so badly. And my friend Jackie is a producer on it. And I, I came down for one of the, uh, the all-star reunion specials. And if you look at the, at the crowd that's in front of the stage, there's this ocean of, of beautiful, young LGBT kids, and then one guy in the back that looks like Mel from the Dick Van Dyke show, and that's me. That I'm all the way, and they put me all the way on the far side of the stage. Wow. Because <laughs> so I, look, I look like somebody's dad who was waiting to, take, to drive them home. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. but I just, I just, I love that show. I, I love everything that it, I love everything that it represents. I love everything that it's just so new and how do you beat a philosophy like you know if you if you don't love yourself how the hell are you gonna love somebody else exactly exactly what a, be- what a beautiful sentiment to hear exactly over and over 
and, and you know his his um podcast is fabulous the one he does called what's the tea with michelle visage it's fantastic oh. can you believe i've never heard of it yeah take a listen it's everywhere i'm on that yes Yes. So now that I'm done vomiting my RuPaul praise, I'm sorry, Kevin. Oh, no, <laughs> no, stole, no. I stole you your favorite. Are, you are the guest. You're the I'm guest. happy to hear uh, what you love about the show. Except Kevin can tell me after. You're the one that matters. So, uh, I mean. Wh- okay, wow. You, you matter wow. too, Kevin. Ouch. You matter too, Kevin, but you can tell me after the show. But <laughs> You better get him a better Christmas present this year. Oh, I'm getting him or, the same or any, that I got him or last any, year. Or any. <laughs> I'll get him okay. double of last year. <laughs> the or any. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to confront her about that at the amusement park. Oh. So anyway. Boom. <laughs> 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 All right, Kevin. Why do you like uh, RuPaul's Drag Race okay. in, in 30 words or less? All right. I love the machine of the show. I love a machine of a reality or uh, or of a game show. The machine of it is, to me, flawless um, as far as how they break the show down. Um, uh, we have the workroom. At the beginning of the show, you're, the, the, the person who got eliminated last week writes a message on the mirror. And yep. the person who survived and beat that person in, in a uh, lip sync for their life, they wipe that off. And so I love that there's a, a lot a lot of symbolism in that and for some reason i i am touched and moved by that i'm shocked uh uh like our guest i didn't know anything about this world and so coming into it uh i i, I didn't think i would like the show because i had some friends like this show is incredible i'm like oh I'll, I'll just to shut someone up i decided to watch one and immediately got sucked into it the lip sync for your life and the the seriousness of something that i honestly initially thought was really silly but the seriousness with which it's dealt with there's a wink to it but there's also a dead serious and this is these people's dream mm-hmm. yep. this their dream and they are so serious and sh- these people are so talented um the dancing the lip singing it is absolutely a talent these people are performers personalities having to be quick on their feet yeah. having to be funny all of it the the, the snatch game there's certain episodes you look forward to every year but some of these lip sync for your lives are some of the best tv you will ever see the drama and also again the machine of the show the music Whoever you are who's in charge of the music on RuPaul's Drag Race. When I mean by the music, I mean there's the music that plays where, where it's like where we're waiting to find out where when after this the lip sync is done, everybody claps, then it's quiet for a second, and then this music. The tension that that music is just like, oh my God, the stakes are so high. Literally, that that's the, if, if I was diffusing a bomb next to a bunch of orphans and nuns, they could play that exact same music and it would fit like, do to do like oh my god are we, are we all gonna die <laughs> if i cut the wrong wire these nuns and orphans are dead the exact same level of tension and so i love your imagery kevin <laughs> and also i love the sachet oh what all the, the like you know oh my god all of the verbiage attached the attached to it and can congratulations all of it so well thought out so well thought out and and the nod to the originator which would be tyra banks's uh 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 america's next top model what i want to say about that show is tyra really tried hard to broaden the idea of what beautiful was 
And a lot of people, I don't feel, gave her credit for that on that show. Trying to tell different types of, 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 of looks and different types of people, there's more than one kind of beautiful. And I think that was a very, very powerful thing for, for young people and young girls in particular. So I credit the show for that. And then the genius of the idea of the show is like, well, we're looking for models, but you have all the young angst that you're going to have with any teens, but all these teens just have to be super crazy photogenic. So it was genius to have lock them up together. And then after the show had been on for a while, I was like, you know what? The problem is by having just a single sex, maybe there'll be a lesbian hookup, but you know what? Let's have, let's add some boys to the mix. And so they really kept trying to come up with different things. The, the ridiculous runways where they have them like like one I remember one runway they had to walk down a runway where it was a giant swinging pendulum like a that clock. was hilarious <laughs> that, that was just like oh come on Tyra <laughs> just like the stuff they made them go through and then they have having to pose with snakes and uh, oh and the other thing that was always the the uh, the heartbreaking part of the show that was the, the most the, all the tension well heart, heartbreaking for the contestants delightful for those of us watching was the makeover thing where somebody who who has this gorgeous mane of hair and Tyra's like I think you'd be beautiful with a bald head and to see these girls cry and then see some girls who are actually like I'm leaving thanks Tyra I'm not gonna let you shave my head <laughs> so or the it, ones who would you know get all their hair chopped off and then would be eliminated so you did all that for uh, nothing exactly <laughs> exactly but sometimes in reverse someone would find themselves in this new look that Tyra envisioned for them all of a sudden they came alive as a model they rose to the occasion of that look would yes. always be super fun and the personalities of the, the different oh my god the different kinds of photo shoots they would come up with I'm like, I think, aren't, haven't you done every possible idea there was one they had like we're gonna basically have you uh, in like famous old B movie posters and you're gonna be like the 50 foot woman I'm like god the, the the creativity of the of the of they kept coming up with not to mention the kick ass pads they would put these girls in and then the trip every year they would they uh, and we're sitting you did Beijing to model you know it, the whole thing was always so much fun and um I, I love that show and the show that it spawned uh RuPaul's Drag Race I agree those are two of my favorites anything you want to add about America's Next Top Model Troy not a thing okay <laughs> it's not terrible. I got nothing so, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed the show uh I, I was a, a big fan up to a point and uh and that i wasn't and uh, it's a great show yeah no i agree at a point it was like yeah okay yeah and, you know it, lo- it, it yeah, lost i mean lost that's why it, it, it needed it should have ended a, a few years before it actually did absolutely and then well, they I, didn't I think what happened it. is is there was a there was a writer's strike and next top model was the first show that people walked out of and mm. i i think a lot of uh what ended up happening with that show is when you're producing but you don't have your story team with you i noticed that in later seasons it got to be more about. It was almost like watching, watching her do a sketch program that incidentally had some modeling in it. Mm. That mm. there was a, there was more of a focus on her antics and her goofiness and the, and and that stuff. And it kind of pulled me away from it a little bit. But I still think it's a, an excellent show. I, I thought Tyra did a wonderful job with it. I think it's a it's a great, a, a great another milestone program. Absolutely. All so, right. So Troy. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go no. Ahead. I was gonna ask Troy. Do you have anything left on your list that we haven't spoiled for you? <laughs> well, I have. I have something down the line a little bit. Uh, I'm a big fan of Shark Tank. Oh um, yes. I think it's done well, and I yes. I like any kind of a show uh, that has an aspirational element. 
to it where people sit at home and go, well, maybe my idea isn't that dumb, or maybe I shouldn't stop myself from doing this, that, or the other. I think Shark, Ta- Shark Tank has brought more more amateur entrepreneurs out of the woodwork than, than any show probably ever on television. Uh, I think that that the comments that are made are very wise. I think that people are who are sitting at home go, oh, yes, I need to ask myself those questions. And I really, it's funny because my heart breaks for those people because you know that there are people that have spent five and ten years trying to build a company and to go in front of somebody and ask for money and have to give up a portion of whatever your dream is in order to get it to the next step, I think is fascinating. It is. And it shows how committed you are to that dream that you're willing to give up that because, you know, you spent uh, all those years with it. So it's essentially your baby. And so now somebody's asking for like um, one of your baby's arms. And just yeah. like <laughs> talk, talk about imagery, Taji. I'm like, D- well, do I do that? Can I just give you a fingernail? And it's yeah. like an almost a no. We want this. So it. It's and- rather- it's a rather grim uh, uh, metaphor here. Yeah, it's a very positive. grim metaphor. So let me rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Baby parts and businesses are a lot of life. Very dark. <laughs> well, you know, I think that you're 100% right. It has uh, pushed a lot of amateur entrepreneur to the front, a lot of startups. And, you know, it, it makes you think like every time um, – you know, somebody does something like, oh, you should go on Shark Tank. So you you find other people encouraging these entrepreneurs because now there are, uh, you know, avenues available. And Shark Tank has sparked like local competitions and all sorts of things offline, you know, yep. aside from Shark Tank, which is why it's so amazing. Yep. There's, there's that element of, you know, like I, I could do that or I'm smarter than that guy <laughs> or... <laughs> You know, that, that just kind of it gets people off their ass and trying to figure out how to develop their talents and skill sets. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, Tachi, what is your number two? My number two is so now it looks like we're going to go back and forth between because I unless. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm out. You're easy. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got everything out of me except every Anthony Bourdain series ever. Oh, well, which, well, you know. Well, I was going to ask you for an honorable mention, and you are just let's talk about that before before Tachi and I go do our before I, relinqu- before I relinquish my guesthood. Uh, I just think Anthony Anthony Bourdain shows uh, were such an anomaly because so rarely do you see something that feels start to finish like one person. And there are other people on that team. There are great there are people who are great producers. There are people who shoot beautifully. There are people who edit beautifully. Um, but the fact that it's one man's voice. Uh, it really just had, had always impressed me. And it, it just, it always feels like you're getting the real deal and he's not just walking through the paces that someone they put there for him. The same uh, format when they tried it with Phil Rosenthal with Somebody Feed Phil, um, it, it, it was very different, but also the same type of end result where you, know, you really get the idea that you're, you're with a person. You're not with a group of writers who are writing for that person. Mm-hmm. So... Just an interesting sort of a one-off. There will never be another like it sort of thing. Absolutely, that it was. He was a very unique individual, and that show. If I don't know how you could, it was possible to watch that show and not develop catch wanderlust through the through the screen. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was my number two. So, um, <laughs> no, that's fine. That worked out perfectly. Uh, all the Anthony Bourdain things from No Reservations to Parts Unknown to The Layover. I, I am an Anthony Bourdain stand for all the reasons that you mentioned. 
Great. So, Kevin, then. What wow. is <laughs> There's been so much crossover. This is this is going into the TV channeling record how, books. I want to know, how, how, how is Kevin the one that has material remaining? <laughs> I, I don't. Well, we still, we still have. Well, because he cheats. Let me just. Let, he cheats. He cheats. Um, Troy. He cheats. That was not. I'm sorry. Real House. I'm, I'm sorry. Not Real Housewives. Uh, it was the Top Model and RuPaul's Drag Race. Drag Race was a parody of Top Model. And you heard so. me say you're wrong for that, right? They, so, it really was. It was. RuPaul has spoken about the fact that it was inspired by yeah. Top Model. You so, are absolutely right. But it's take two, two shows. Two different shows. I basically was talking about one show. All right. Okay. <laughs> so let's get your number two pick. Did we take it yet? My, no, we didn't. My number two is The Amazing Race. Oh. That yeah. show, talk about Wonderlust. Well, I, there are so many things I love about the show. Uh, lately, it's it's kind of stumbled and fall because they've tried to play with the formula. I hate it when producers stop trusting what the thing is and they try and like mix up let's have people let's have teams of strangers do the adventure no the whole thing to me is about the relationships it's about the people that choose to do the show together and the fact that there's different types of people you have romantic couples engaged people that are engaged people who have been married 20 years you have fathers and sons uh mothers and daughters you have siblings who uh who are going on this adventure to to deal with the loss of their parent all kinds of different stories that that are told along the way of the adventure uh are absolutely incredible and also seeing what these the, the pressure cooker of traveling and in 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 a competition what it does to people because it destroys some people some people come off so horrible and other people they truly rise to the occasion this is a, i got a life lesson watching uh this show i'm going to share with you guys i'll never forget one of the challenges they were in new zealand and one of the challenges was they had to go to this kiwi patch and you had to load all these kiwi <laughs> yes. you had to load all these kiwis into some giant like vessel and then you had to get in there when you're bare feet and stomp on them to create make kiwi juice and then you had to drink the juice that you just stomped Ugh. and made was by stomping on and so the all the so there, there's these two girls that are in the back of the pack. All the people that come and do this uh, this challenge before them, they're like, "Oh my god, this is the worst! These kiwis are killing my legs. This is scratching me. This is the worst. This is the worst. Oh my god, we have to drink this juice. Our feet. This is the worst. This is the worst." Fine. Every, everybody had the exact same attitude. Then these last two girls who are in last place, by the way, they get they get in there and they start stomping on the and like, oh my god, Christy, the stepping on the kiwis, it's almost like a spa treatment. It's like it's exfoliating and it's getting all the oh my feet were so tired before, but oh, it's getting all the kinks out. Then as they were drinking, they're just like, oh my god, it's so filled with antioxidants. Oh my god, it's so refreshing. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, it is all about perception, people, and looking at a challenge and looking at it as an opportunity. I'm like this was it was mind blowing how differently they handle that situation compared to everyone else. Wow. And and so the locations, the locations, the 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 knowledge about geography we we learn, learn about geography, the challenges based on cultural things. You're actually they're tricking you into learning about the world and making the world a smaller place, especially in this time where people are trying to build walls, realizing we're on the same blue marble. Yeah, that show speaks to so many kinds of human stories. They've had death contestants, all kinds of different kinds of people on that show, and it's 
always exhilarating, except for when they try to mess it up by having like strangers. It's all about the relationships and and the things that come out when you're pushed to your limit and like dad always liked you better and God, all the things that come out in the course of the, the that journey are amazing. Wow. Great pick. Great pick. I, I got to make sure I'm rested before I watch that show. I, I love it, but my, I, I feel like I've been working out on an elliptical. It's, it's, just, it's The music is just tension cue, tension cue, tension cue, tension cue, tension cue. And you're just like, oh, my God, like when can I just – Relax for a second. It's <laughs> a wonderful show. Yeah. One thing I will made, say that I'm exhausted watching. One thing I will say that bugs me about the contestants on the show is just like people that go on the Amazing Race and they're all like, "Okay, how do maps work?" I'm like, "Now, yes. you, wait, you're on around the world. I want you not to work a stick ship. Have you not watched this show? You're gonna have to you, drive a stick ship. You're gonna have to read a map." One of my favorite there were these two brothers, and they were like, "Uh, they were it, it was in uh, Egypt." And the one was like, oh, my God, there's so much walking. I'm like, who knew there'd be a lot of walking in a race around the world? <laughs> wow. You know, I'm, I'm just waiting for the spinoff, The Amazing Three-Legged Race, because being tied to someone. <laughs> oh. Well, they, actually, they, they did something close. They did a family edition that I think oh, it, it crashed and burned. They did it once. It was a family edition of it, and it crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. So no. I, four, I guess four legs is, is the most is they, that people That's can all take. That's they can That's do. That's the task. All, All right. right, so Tachi, what is your number one pick? My number one, and we're going to try and get And you better these. pick the right thing so I can talk about it, even though it's not on my list. Anyway, well, <laughs> so there are two. I know what you want me to say. Um, <laughs> that is an honorable mention for oh, me. Oh, damn it. Okay, so let me just say what it is. The honorable mention for me is Real Housewives of Atlanta, New York, and Potomac. That, that and... And slash Married to Medicine. Those are honorable mentions. Ah. Yes, I, I really enjoy Married to Medicine. Um, ATL, New, New York, and Potomac are because those are all places that I have in, uh, uh, connection to. Lived in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Lived in New York. And um, ATL, I'm there all the time doing stuff. So, but my, my number one is Project Runway. I am a huge, as you can tell from the Kimura thing, I'm huge into fashion. I love that competition because it's about creating. Sort of like, you know, these cake competitions and things, but there's this level of creativity that you have to have in order to be on Project Runway. So I love to see what they come up with. I love to see often these people that are creating, they are people that did not fit into their communities in any other way except through design and through fashion um so i'm really i really love to hear their stories i love of course there's some little tiffs there's some people like i don't know what the hell she's making but you know i love to see that too but uh, i really love the aspect of the creativity with project runway because i'm so into fashion and so the pinnacle is to create a collection for new york fashion week and it is uh, done so much especially for like christian siriano his career is yes. off the map because you know a winning project runway and he's good so mm-hmm. Not only was it off the map, but he's actually good. So Project One Way is my number one. Oh, my God, Tachi. I absolutely agree with your number one. Is That is an incredible pick. Seeing people create something. That show is about something. And so many of these other reality shows um, where it's just about arguments and fighting and throwing champagne. Well, that's creation. Are, they, they can they can also fight and argue and think it can be tension. But the, it, but it doesn't the, – the, the amount of tension that you create and bring to the party isn't the issue. The, the issue is what you put on that runway. 
is what make, keeps you there. Uh, not the amount of champagne you've been managed managed to throw. And um, I've, I, you're right. That show has been incredible. It's in created, it's created incredible. It's changed the fashion landscape. And uh, I, I absolutely agree. And as one of your honorable mentions, your honorable mentions, I have to mention t- two of those. Yes, Real Housewives of Atlanta. But now it has been usurped by the thing that was basically because Married to Medicine was kind of a spinoff of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Married to Medicine is everything yes the genius of when i first heard the concept i thought it was going to be just women who were in medicine but they're all like no because they won't be they won't be as apt to throw champagne and pull weaves let's throw in wives of doctors too (laughs) and then it's just like an all hell broke loose and the drama of i mean couples the, the 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 breakups and relationships basically holding on by a thread being brought together and the reunion i mean i never saw anything like that so married to medicine it was if i had six picks it would have been housewives of atlanta slash married to medicine Okay. Wow. What was that was that your number 1 Kevin? No, it wasn't. I said it was it was going to be my no, it would be my number 6 if I was able your to number uh, six. So you still have a number 1. I still have a number 1. Mm, okay. All right. And this number 1 pick is in the his house. It is House Hunters. Of course. Because they're, they're, oh my God! Oh, there's the for those of you who are, are are new to the party and don't understand the concept, the basic concept of of the original House Hunters is you take a couple or even a single person, but they're always looking with the person. So if, if it's a single person, they have a friend. They're looking with their mother. They're looking with their dad. They're looking with their crazy their their crazy cousin. They are looking uh, for a house. They see ultimately just see three houses, and at the end we have the the reveal of what house did they actually pick and it, it's crazy but it i always wondered if reality show producers actually watch that show just for casting because it's interesting how much story they convey and how much you get a sense of feeling like you've got to know some people in 22 short minutes where you actually kind of in it for them and like this dream or like some of the stories where it's just like you know my grandmother died and it was like on house Hunters international um where there was this one woman her grandmother died. It was always her dream to be a dancer and to dance in Paris. And her great, uh, her grandmother died. She left money to her, and she basically said that uh, uh, that her that she was she had the opportunity to live her dream because of her grandmother. And all of her focus was on making her grandmother happy, and, and it was in her thoughts and her choice. There's so many different stories uh, and what it means to own a house. People that are, that are the first person in their family to ever own a house. Um, so and the idea that the socioeconomic thing, you have people buying houses that are like. Two hundred thousand dollars. You have people buying multi-million dollar estates. So it's 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 the show gives you a, a huge range, and there's different versions of the show. There's the original House Hunters, House Hunters International, and then there's a uh, House Hunters Renovation, where you see the first half of the original show, where you find people find a house, a fixer upper. Then we see what they ultimately turn the house into, and I absolutely love it absolutely addicting i agree troy uh house hunters and house hunters international i watch them both uh they're very interesting to me because there are things that i know and they i know some of those things too but share I'm just, share i'm just giving you the little the little anecdotes is the like the, like you can't possibly put a person on a tv show and go you're allowed to look at three houses 
Right, right, right. You have right. to buy one. But uh, this is just a personal anecdote. The second time I was on the Today Show was when the House Hunters supposed scandal broke, where the woman came out and said, oh, she was like talking about how they already had one of the houses or like whatever the big secret was behind the production of the show. And they asked me on, on uh, today, they said, now this brings up a very important question. It says, do you think people care if their reality shows are real? Mm. And I almost wanted to like Pee Wee Herman out and fall on the floor laughing. Like it was just <laughs> like, do you think people care if their reality is real? And I said, you know, people care if it's entertaining. And I said, for me, you know, house, house hunters, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. And I love it for what it is. Now, like, so, okay, I, now, just, I just like I just like looking at real estate. Oh, I, and, absolutely. And I think that's that's the appeal of the show. It's not are they going to pick this one or are they going to pick that one? For me, it's just looking at three houses in the same price range, and then throwing my hands up and saying, "I live in Los Angeles. I'm never going to own a house." <laughs> right, right, and you know so. the the frustration of them always picking the one that you you don't want because it's ugly, and they always pick the ugliest one, and um, the frustration of sometimes they do have a range, but sometimes there's the ones that are like, "Hi, I'm Brianna, and this is um, Jeffrey. I teach goat yoga, and he raises salamanders. Our budget yeah. is seventeen point five million. I'm like, in what universe? Yeah. So you know, there's oh, no, that I feel- too. I feel that too, but you know, I also, like I say, I live in California. I feel that way every time I drive down to Venice and I see people riding around on bird scooters with flannel shirts and thinking, like, that guy probably just bought a house, you know, on the beach. And like, what? It, the 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 money aspect of it is maddening, and I am I am always curious about what, what people's you know economic histories are on that show. Mm. Well, there was a there was an interesting uh, sister show of House Hunters that I wish they would bring back. Maybe you can do it. It was called What You Get for the Money, where oh, they would yeah, basically have a, show. they would mm-hmm. have a dollar amount and they would be like $400,000 and they tell you what you can get for $400,000 yes. in Boston, that what you can good. get in Texas. And mm-hmm. what, I love that show. That but great. back to the scandal of House Hunters. What I originally thought when I was a naive young person when it came to house hunters was I did. I know they looked at more than three houses. I assumed that they filmed them looking at all the houses and then they just gave us, they just showed us three, including the one that they ultimately picked. I didn't know that they, they, some of the scandal is the idea that, that sometimes people have already purchased a house. Cause I always wonder how they were even found. Uh, the people that, uh, that, that, that end up on the show. So the scandal is that some people are claiming that they actually have already picked a house, but then they were approached to do the show. So they go and look at houses and, even though they already have their house and they choose right. the house they already own. Which does um, not materially change my ability to enjoy that show. Right. Right. So that, I mean, that's the operative question. Like that, I guess that's where they do they care? Yeah. I don't. Well, one of the, one of the, I don't either. One of the, because there's two issues that I, I do have to, I can't let go unmentioned about house hunters, even though I'm a lover of the show is at the beginning of the show, I'm like, well, what's important to you in a house? And like, well, I love hardwood floors. I will never live in a house with garbage. Never. I want to live on, I like my solitude. I, li- I need a quiet street and it needs to be in the middle of nowhere. And then at the end, they pick a house in the middle of the city that's wall-to-wall carpet and they're like, damn it, what the, what? <laughs> so I hate when they when they tell you at the beginning what they're looking for and then they get none of the things they were looking for in the house they pick. 
that bugs me. I feel <laughs> <laughs> like I've been tricked. And the the uh, sister show, uh, House Hunters International, is always fascinating to me. And I always I always wish they they would do a follow up show about like whose relationships are still together because House Hunters <laughs> International is a very unique animal because it's it's somebody who's American or, or Canadian and they're moving to like Bangladesh or someplace because somebody's dream is to work in Italy or open up a bed and breakfast or something or they they're some kind of a professor and they're gonna uh, uh, they're 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 going to France to teach uh, for several semesters, and so the other person, it, it wasn't necessarily their dream to move to uh, Istanbul, but they're going with their partner, and so there's all this scene seems to happen in every episode of House of International where the couple is looking at a place, and the person whose dream it was to move to Istanbul is like, this actually just feels like an apartment. This apartment could be anywhere. And then the other person's all like, but it makes me feel more like home and comfortable. And for our kids, I think we need more space. And the other one's like, but I want to feel like I'm in Istanbul. It's like, well, then open the door and go outside, ass. I don't understand. <laughs> to me, if if you get if you co- convinced your partner to go across the globe for you, they get to pick where you live. It's to me, it's a no brainer because you get to you're living in the city you want to live in. They get to live in the house they want to live in and when you see somebody steamroll over their partner and get the they get to live where they in the country they want in the house they want i'm like please revisit them a year from now and see if they're still together exactly. i would love to see that that's another show that troy could actually produce a- after the divorce we'll introduce you to three new single people exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly you can decide who gets half the house exactly wow this has been a chock full amazing episode troy you don't understand how enamored and thankful and fanboy and fangirling we are right now because you, i'm thrilled to have been here oh you're so you are so awesome thank you thank you thank you Oh my god, and I, I want to say it too. You're the best guest. The the depth of your knowledge, your passion. I love how excited you are, and I love all the little. I, I literally I could talk for you for hours, so we can. But I wish I could. Well, let's do it again, and then yes. and I'll bring and I'll bring a tuna casserole, and we'll all have a great time. There we go. There we go. So I'm holding you to that because we need you back for a part two because this was absolutely amazing. And Troy, if you could just tell us um, how people can get in touch with you, like your social handles, tell uh, talk about the project again. You know how they can contribute sure. and all well, of that. If you want to check out uh, the documentary, it's called Remember We're Not Here, which is also my name on Instagram, just without the apostrophe and all smashed together. Um, the Indiegogo, if you want to check that out and watch the first minute and 44 of the documentary in the, a rough cut format, uh, it's on the Indiegogo page for Remember We're Not Here. Uh, you can reach me by email at realitytvtroy at gmail.com. I make time on Saturday mornings from 6 a.m. to noon to answer questions from students. I don't take pitches. Please don't send me ideas for shows. And on Facebook, I'm just Troy Devald. But the good news is there's two of me because I post so often I don't want to look like a crazy person. So I just have two accounts under the same name. Uh, That's how you could find me. Awesome. 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 Yay. Well, Kevin, do you feel like you've been spiritually reality show educated? Oh my God! I feel like I have a PhD in reality, in reality television. Yes, <laughs> people should be able to listen to this podcast and get college credit. I think 
Yes. Yeah, we'll see what these schools say, but I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, there's, there's also, there's always the book. You get a, get a yes, yes, yes. TV. Okay, can you plug the book again, please? I can. It's called Reality TV. It's from uh, Michael Weesey Productions, MWB.com. We like to mention that they're the largest publisher of books on film and television in the world. Uh, but check that out there. And uh, yes, I still have the crazy jacket that I'm wear that I wear on the front of the book. So your jackets are amazing. Your sense of fashion is amazing. Just have to tell you that. Well, you know, <laughs> when, when you're bald, you got to peacock it out in other ways. You can't. Uh, I can't feather my hair, so I gotta. I gotta put on the. You crazy feather jacket. your clothes. Yeah, I get it. I get, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Cool beans. Cool beans. Okay. Well, so that brings us to the end of another fantastic TV channeling. And Kevin, probably I should tell them how they could reach us. Yeah, how can they reach us on social? Well, we are on. Oh no, not on no, social. No. I'm sorry. How can they? How can they listen to our show? See, he tried to give me his job. He's so excited that Troy is here. <laughs> I so, am. <laughs> so I want to pitch my reality show ideas. Honestly, I I really do. <laughs> He's got too many. <laughs> Click. Click. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you don't Ow. listen. You don't listen. Did he just say he doesn't take pictures? No, I, I didn't. I said I want to. I didn't say I was. But ooh, I have so many ideas. You don't know. <laughs> so, what am I doing? You're telling. You're telling how people can listen to this show. Yeah, thank you. That's why I, I wanted you to tell them. All right. So you can listen to us in a new number of ways. We you can listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes slash Apple Music. Uh, Podbean, which is also tvchanneling.com. We're also on Spotify. We're also on TuneIn Radio. And just actually go to your favorite podcasting platform and you can listen there. Also, every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, we are on live. You'll be able to hear us on wjmsradio.com. So again, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. You can hear us every Tuesday on WJMSRadio.com. Thanks, WJMS. And, you know, maybe when you hear us, you may have a question or want to follow us on social. How can they do that, Kevin? Okay, we would love for you to follow us on social. We are everywhere on social. We're on the, the book that's in your face. We are instantiating your gram. And we're on my personal favorite, Twitter, as well as Snapchat. And we are known as TV Channeling Everywhere. And so, if there's something going on in pop culture you want to get our take on, or if uh, there is a TV show that you want us to review, let us know. And we will make it happen. And also, speaking of of, of uh, following us, we would love it if you give the show a review, hopefully positive. Hopefully. Why, because if you didn't like it, why are you still listening? The show's over. Why are you still listening? So, yeah, give us a give us good five stars. And we lost all five of our listeners with that comment. With that, <laughs> <laughs> with that, we want to thank you for listening. It's because of you that we actually do this. So... We'll end the way we always end. Bye from Tachi. And goodbye from Kevin. And remember, if you're watching it, we're talking about it. Cheers. Bye.